Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to this Our Changing World podcast from RNZ National, presented by Alison Balance and Veronica Maduna. Finally on Our Changing World tonight, getting up close and personal with dolphins. New Zealand is home to one of the world's smallest and rarest dolphins, Hector's dolphins. And no one knows them better than University of Otago whale and dolphin experts Liz Sluton and Steve Dawson. Alison joins the pair out on their boat in Akaroa Harbour for a morning of Hector's dolphin research. We've just left Akaroa Harbour and we're zigzagging the harbour to count dolphins in this kind of standard pattern. So how many years have you been doing this for, Steve? 32 years. Long time. So you're very familiar both with the harbour and the dolphins? Uh, yeah, thousands of hours in the presence of both. So do you see dolphins most days when you're out on the water? Almost always. On a good day, 80 to 100 individuals inside the harbour, um, but most days at least a few dozen. So you've just seen something, Liz? Yeah, just um, saw a little fin popping out of the water just here. So we'll go towards them slowly and see what's going on. Looks like a couple, could be more. So you've slowed right down and you've got a, a little computer there that you're logging yeah. everything with. So you just push a button to start a new dolphin encounter and then it asks information like how many dolphins are there, how many calves, what's the weather like, what's their behaviour. And it takes the information from the GPS so it logs the location, the time, and from the depth sounder as well, so the water depth and the temperature. Here we go. We've got a couple of animals on our right hand side. Here we are. So one, two, three at least. Yep. And so Steve's at the front with his big camera. Yes, well, if there are any dolphins in this group with either nicks out of the dorsal fins or um, coloration markings, then he'll photograph those. So the dolphins are just stooging around? Yeah, just stooging around. Their normal um, behaviour when they're feeding is they'll dive for a minute, a minute and a half, and then they'll um, come up and do half a dozen or so shorter surfacings, shorter dives and then they'll go down again for a minute, minute and a half. So while they're doing that, they're usually pretty quiet. Um, and then often several small groups will come together. And it's when those groups come together that haven't seen each other for a while that you get a sudden increase in the amount of social behaviour, and including sexual behaviour. And one of our students who finished some time ago now, um, Trudy Webster, found out for her masters that those smaller groups of um, anywhere between two and eight individuals tend to consist of only males or only females. So now we know why it is that when these groups come together, there's suddenly all this activity. The larger them just surfacing around the boat, yeah. breathing. Very noisy breathers. The, in the old days, they used to call them puffing pigs. That's not a very elegant not name for a very pretty no, little dolphin. Beautiful animal with this beautiful colour pattern. To call that a puffing pig is not very complimentary. So, have you got any photos yet? I do. 
but uh, but neither of these <laughs> we've got two dolphins with us at the moment and, and they're both kind of uh, squeaky clean as we call it they don't have marks in their fins uh, they don't have necks or scars so it would be very difficult to be able to recognise them long term whereas you're pretty much focusing on the ones that are marked yeah we do that for different reasons we want to get a really good estimate of survival rate for example we want to figure out how often females carve we want to understand better how they use the habitat in other words are individuals confined to a relatively small bit of coast or There's do they range range well widely Okay, where is it? It's uh, in this group of three coming to us now. And I think it's a close one. Oops, oh, there's about five or, five or six or seven. Uh, and um, it's a big, sizable neck, that's got the it. one. There you go. Um, so it's got a big triangular notch mm. out of the back. That's a really good idea. It's for like it's carrying the most obvious tag you could imagine. You'd never be able to tag that many animals. Like about 10% of the population have these sorts of individual distinctive markings. Uh, with some species, of course, like humpback whales and sperm whales, every single individual is recognisable. We don't have that luxury, but still, with 10% of the population marked, you could never achieve that with any kind of artificial marking. saw some more uh, further ahead. Yeah, I think we've found the other subgroup back. So there's two just here and three further down. Hanging around, yeah. just doing a little bit of bow riding. Incredibly both positive, very curious. You know, it's, they're wonderful little animals, really. Especially when we're in a bigger group, you can just turn off and they will seem to centre their activities around the boat. So they'll go away and they'll do their feeding and then each time they come back up to the surface, they'll come around the boat and do a few circles and and go back. They're, they're lovely animals to work with. They're very, very boat positive. Makes what we do much, much, much easier. Most people are stunned at their small size. Like you get a, somebody that researches bottlenose dolphins in another part of the world or whatever, and they come and visit, and they just can't believe how tiny they are. So there's another triangular neck, but much smaller. There's some spy hopping going on over there. So what spy over hopping? Over that piece of wood there was a dolphin sticking its nose out. So coming and, uh, just vertically out of yeah, the water. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's, let's go over there and see what's going on. That's done in a um, social context, but also in a feeding situation. So if they are feeding on small fish at the water surface, they'll do some really unusual postures just to twirl around, swim on their sides sometimes hang in the water um, we call it horizontal flexing but it, it looks kind of ridiculous, they're lying there like a sausage kind of flexing their bodies and um, they seem to be just manoeuvring in order to catch these tiny little fish and this kind of spy hopping is also sometimes part of that sort of close range manoeuvring around tiny fish here it is doing it again it's doing it by that piece of wood repeatedly. I don't know if it's checking out the piece of wood. And you said you saw one before playing with a piece of seaweed as well? Yes, that's very common. So they'll swim around, collect a piece of seaweed, often on the dorsal fin or on the pectoral fins, and then they'll drop it, and then they'll pick it up again, or they'll drop it off their dorsal fin and let it um, go to the tail. The oh, yeah, cool. I think I just dropped that piece of wood here. And, and it looks like this other one's going to come in and pick yeah, it up. exactly. There's another small nick uh, out of the bottom of the fin. This one here, Steve. Okay. This close one. It's also got a little scar on the side. 
there's some uh, socialising yeah. of some sort Tail going on over, going there on over there with tail slapping. I'm just going to go over there and see if we can get a close look at that. They often do this upside down because the muscles, muscles on the back are much, much stronger so that if they really want to hit their tail on the surface really hard, they turn upside down to do it. So often they'll do a few the right way up, then they'll flip upside down and they'll do, do a few upside down. Another thing we've seen, which we just saw here, which you see quite often in groups this size, is you see underwater bubble blows, which, which are a sign of excitement. They can, they can do it when they're chasing each other or playing or riding the bow wave. Maybe it's a bit like shouting. Are they very vocal dolphins? They are, but you can't hear it. It's mostly around 120 kilohertz, so about um, six times higher than you can hear. So if we had a hydrophone in the water that could record that high, we'd be hearing these constant trains of clicks. They don't really make much noise that humans can hear. Here's another individual that's been towing around that piece of weed. Dolphin with a tattoo mark, which are um, caused by a pox virus, and they're usually a circle with little dots that look vaguely like a tattoo. And um, they do change slowly over time, and they will eventually heal. But they are good identifying markers for um, often up to a decade, but not reliable enough for survival rates because um, they do change over time. Oh, well, yeah, there's something yeah, happening there. Some it is the right time of the year for yeah. things to get a little bit sexual. Oh, Here we go. That's, that's a boy. It's a, <laughs> a beautiful pirouette for us. I was so busy admiring its white belly, I missed the naughty bits. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, males have a um, very clear oval grey circle around their genital slit, and the females don't. The females sometimes have a little bit of grey there, but mostly are completely white. And um, that may be involved in visual signalling. So sometimes when they're this socially active, you'll see one dolphin swimming on its side next to another one. And it may be that the, um, the coloration around the genital slit is, is a visual cue. Of course, mostly they're acoustic animals and they're um, getting most of their information from echolocation and, and acoustic communication. But um, there seems to be some visual signalling going on as well. And the obviousness of that cue probably is really, really good and, and reasonably turbid water. You know, they're, they're not in the clearest water. So, so you know, it's, a, it's almost like flashing a flag. So how many different nicks have you seen today? Very. Two nice large nicks um, and a couple one. of small ones as well. Yep. And a few small body coloration markings, mostly tattoo lesions. So do you know if these are dolphins you've seen before? The one with the large neck I'm pretty sure we've seen before, but I don't know it well. Uh, whereas yesterday we saw one with uh, lots of white body markings on it that's quite an old dolphin now. It's been in the catalogue for ages. In any case, you're going to need to put those photographs together and compare them and, and make sure that it's the same one. So how many dolphins in your catalogue? About 300 that are still alive, so there's more individuals in the catalogue. Oh, that's a boy. Another lobtail, definitely a boy, that one. Yeah, so it's about 300 that are definitely still alive in the catalogue and about 50 mature females that we've seen with um, at least one calf. And they're really important because we want to know 
um, when they've had a calf, do they just take one year off or do they take two or three years off? So on average, they have a calf every two to four years with the overall average point estimate of three. The lifespan of these dolphins? Is about um, 25 years. So we have a few individuals that have made it to 26, 27. And when you look at um, the number of individuals that were recognised in the first in that same year for the first time, then about two percent of them make it to um, age 25 or over. And so 25 is something like a human being making it to about 80. Uh, 30 years is probably like a human being making it to 100, and most of them will make it to somewhere around 20, 25 years. So within that lifespan, if they're having a calf on average every three years. Yeah, they're not going to have that many exactly. calves, are they? Yeah, they're only going to have sort of four to six or so calves in a lifetime, so it's very slow. All of that adds up to uh, a population growth rate of about 2% per year, so that's the, the maximum they can do. So if you have 100 individuals, then you can expect there to be 102 the following, following year at the most. Now that seems like quite a slow growth rate. Really me. slow. It's uh, not unusual for dolphins. So most dolphins can do 2 to 4% population growth and um, Hector's around the 2% end. And of course marine mammals are already at the slow end in terms of other mammals. What's the conservation status of Hector's dolphins? Hector's dolphins um, are endangered as a species and the um, North Island population, the North Island subspecies, um, also known as Maui's dolphin, they are listed as critically endangered. So that's under both IUCN and um, DOC. Now the dolphins have some protection here in Akaroa? They do, yeah. So around Banks Peninsula there is um, no trawling allowed up to two nautical miles from the shore and no gill netting allowed up to four nautical miles from the shore. But the trouble is the dolphins range out to about 20 miles offshore or more, more accurately the dolphins really don't care about the distance they are from shore, they care about the water depth. So the dolphins range out to about the 100 metre depth contour. So we've got a way to go in terms of getting complete protection or uh, enough protection to allow the population to grow. So uh, they were doing a nosedive when we first started this study in the 1980s. It wouldn't be unusual to find dead dolphins floating around or find dead dolphins on beaches that had been caught in um, gill nets or trawl nets. So really it was carnage in the 80s and even 90s. We've now got this protection that's ensured that the population is no longer doing a nosedive. So right now it's somewhere around stable or very slowly decreasing. And we need to take another step. We need to push that protection further offshore in order to allow the population to grow and recover from that impact. So the current population is about 25-30% um, of, of the original population size before um, commercial fishing started in New Zealand. And um, if we want them to recover, if we could possibly reduce bycatch to zero, um, so that would mean no gill netting or trawling throughout their habitat, then it would take um, until about 2050 for them to get back to about half of their original level. So it would take a few decades for them to recover properly. So the national population size, what have you estimated that to be? The um, national population size is somewhere around 8,000 dolphins. 
So the average home range of a hectare often is about 50 kilometres of coastline. So that's their normal home range. So it's quite small. So even around Banks Peninsula, they, you don't just get Banks Peninsula dolphins, but you get north side dolphins and south side dolphins. Really, really home bodies. We just went through a mob of munida, um, those tiny little uh, lobster curl. Would They're the dolphins eat those or are they? The dolphins won't eat those directly, but um, those munida are a favoured food of red cod and the dolphins diet on the east coast here is about half red cod and the other half is a mixture of this, that and the other thing. Stargazer, yellow-eyed mullet, ahuru, uh, squid. Oh wow, so you've just seen one you recognise? Yep, yep. This is fingers, which is uh, very commonly seen in Akaroa Harbour. Also occasionally seen on the south side of uh, Banks Peninsula, but mostly in the harbour. Really, really distinctive dolphins. So the back uh, of its dorsal fin looks a bit like a rubber glove with the fingers because it's <laughs> so cut up. Yep, so it looks like it's been bitten by a shark and it was lucky and got away. So do you have any idea how many are around here? Right now, at least 25. It's more like 30, I think. This does really underline one of the things that's really special about Akaroa. If you were to say how many harbours are there that in the summertime I could go down the harbour and almost guarantee to find dolphins every single day you'd reach a number less than five. And that's really something. You know, the people don't realise how special this is. To have our own endemic dolphin, only found in New Zealand, here routinely, every day, it's, just, it's astonishing. That was Steve Dawson and Liz Sluton from the University of Otago and the New Zealand Whale and Dolphin Trust. Now, Steve mentioned that Hector's dolphins make very fast, high-frequency clicks that we can't hear but which some hydrophones can. This is what they sound like. And this is what Hector's dolphins sound like in slow motion. That's all for now, but you can stay in touch with us on Twitter at rnz underscore science. Kia ora mai. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.